The first step is prayer. And that's what Nehemiah instructs us with. And notice, I just want you to notice a few things about his prayer. Number one, notice the attitude of his prayer. It was extremely humble. It says that he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. He had an attitude of humility. He had an attitude that was reflecting a sense of God. How could you enable, how might you enable this to happen? How might you use me? And how in the world could you use me? Because after all, he confesses all of this sin that's in his life as well. Can God really use me as fallen and as weak as I am? His attitude was an attitude of great humility in prayer. And that's what we need to come with. Some might be thinking, Gary, you're out of your mind. I'm not praying about that. (laughs) Some are thinking, okay, I'll pray, but I don't know. We all need to come humbly and not making judgments yet. We want to come humbly before God and say, Lord, if this is your will, I'm in on it, but I just can't see it yet. But Lord, I want to do what you would have us to do. I'd like to see Beth Ariel become what it can become in this day and age. Second thing that's interesting about his prayer is just the basic uh, acronym for praying. The easy way to remember things to pray about, the word acts, right? The first thing is adoration, and that's what Nehemiah does. Look at verse, uh, verse 4. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. He speaks about his character as majestic, as mighty, as powerful. The one who keeps his covenant of love. He's a loving God and who love and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive. He's a listening God. May your eyes be open. He's a responsive God. These are words of adoration. And he speaks about the character of the Lord himself, and he comes to him on that basis, praising God for being this kind of God and being this kind of God to him. So the first step in prayer is adoration. The second is confession. He does that too. Look what he says beginning at verse uh, 6, 7. Or is it six? I can't with my eyes. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house. Is that wonderful? You know, he's confessing the sins of the people. That's why our walls are broken down. That's why we've been taken into captivity. But I really love what he says, and myself. It's not just my people, it's me. The problems at Beth Ariel is not them, it's me. <laughs> you know, are we ready to admit that? The problems and conflicts that we have are due to me. That's what Nehemiah is saying. And he wasn't even around when they were taken into captivity to Babylon. But he's a humble man. He's an honest man. There is none of us who is without sin. And there is none of us who has not sinned. Or let me put it in the context of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's sin is no different than the sins that caused the exile to begin with. He was, his sin was of the same caliber and of the same character. That's what he's saying. I was no different. If I was there, I would have done the same, you know. In fact, Yeshua denounces the Pharisees in his day for saying, if we were there, we would not have done the same. That lack of humility and honesty. Fact of the matter is, if any of us were Adam and Eve, we would have done the same. And so none of us can say, well, we're innocent of wrongdoing. We are all in need of confession of our sin. And that wonderful promise, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he practices this acronym of prayer by, first of all, adoring God. Second of all, by confessing sin. Thirdly, 
he gives a, an indication of thanksgiving. If you look at verse 8, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses. He reminds God of what he told Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you. That's what happened. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled or at the farthest horizon, I don't know where he says that, you know, but what he said was certainly true to that, right? I don't know any passage where he says, if, if you are exiled, I'll take you from the farthest you know, horizon. But I love how Nehemiah rephrases what God did say about him regathering uh, re those whom he scattered. But he says, if you return, if you are exiled, people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. And so there's an, an underlying expression of thanksgiving that God has been faithful to his promise because our people are being returned to the place where he has set his name in Nehemiah's day. And then lastly, he concludes acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Then he makes his request. Look at verse 10. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting me favor in the eyes of the king to whom I'm going to go. That's his, his request, that you would be gracious to me and give me favor. So when we come before the Lord and as we pray about Beth Ariel and where it is headed, we want to come humbly as Nehemiah did when he was faced with an undaunting challenge in which he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. Symbols of his humbled heart. He prayed a prayer of adoration where he glorifies God for the variety of characteristics that describe the wonderful God we serve and the wonderful God who loves us. He exhibits confession as he proclaims the sin of his people, but also his own personal sin, that God would forgive him and use him and cleanse him that he might be used of, of God. And then he prays this prayer of thanksgiving. You have been faithful to your promise to regather us, and we are grateful, I am grateful, that your hand is continually made known to us. And then he asks for a request. Would you grant us favor in this endeavor? But there's one other thing I'd like you to see. Not only was he humble in his prayer, not only was his content of prayer significant, but he was also persistent in his prayer. Take a look at chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine, gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked him, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. What an observant individual, right? He saw his heart. But here's what strikes me. If you look at chapter 1, verse 1, notice that it's in the month of Kislev that he hears of the situation in Israel and about Jerusalem. The month of Kislev is when we celebrate Hanukkah, though the events of Hanukkah have not happened yet for Nehemiah. But Kislev corresponds to around our November-December 
time in the calendar. But it's in chapter 2, verse 1, that he first speaks to the king, and it's now in the month of Nisan. Nisan is around April. So that's January, February, March, April. That's four months later. So he has been praying faithfully for four months, perhaps every day, getting down on his knees, praying the substance of the prayer that is described in chapter 1. And during that time, God was preparing the heart of the king, no doubt, as well as the heart of Nehemiah. And so now four months after he starts praying, God opens the doors. That just seems to suggest to me that we need to be persistent in our prayers. We are so used to instantaneous things, you know, get on the internet, get on your email, answer your phone calls, you know, whatever it is, turn on the television, you know, put your food in the microwave. We're so used to instantaneous things that we expect that when we pray, we should just open our eyes and there it is, you know. But what Nehemiah seems to illustrate is it doesn't always work that way. We saw in the book of Daniel that he was fasting for 21 days before an angel was able to break through a demonic spirit that was withholding the good, uh, this faithful angel from coming to Daniel with the answer to his uh, interpretation of his dream. Here, Nehemiah's got to wait four months before he gets opportunity. What incredible patience, I would think, and what perseverance in prayer. So as we launch out, into the next phase, the next era, the next moment in the history of Beth Ariel. We would be wise if we started with the right foot. Nehemiah gives it to us as one who had a great task in front of him and a great challenge. The first step is prayer. The first step is to come before God humbly. The first step is to adore the Lord for who he is. The first step is to confess our own sin, inability, and weakness, and frailty. The first step is to give thanks for what God has already done in the history of our lives and the history of Beth Ariel. Our first step is then to ask the Lord for his help. And the first step is to keep doing it and not to think that once we've done it, We've done what we're supposed to do. And now God has an obligation to somehow respond to us. It's an ongoing process. And the Lord will bring us through. There's so many other lessons we're going to learn from Nehemiah. But this is the first and foremost lesson. Prayer is where we need to begin. So let's do that. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word to us today. And we thank you for this man that you have raised up, Nehemiah, to do a task that must have appeared nearly impossible to him, at least at times. And a work that had crumbled for over, walls that had crumbled for over 100 years were now about to be restored and rebuilt. So Lord, help us in our endeavor here at Beth Ariel. While there are no walls crumbling and walls that have come down, there's only good things that we see before us. But Lord, we desire the best that you have for us. And we desire to go forward where you are leading and guiding and making yourself known. And Lord, we want to move forward as you would instruct us to move forward. 
We would like to be like Nehemiah and to make our first step a step of prayer. So this morning, Lord, we commend to you our congregation. We acknowledge your great love and faithfulness, for you have led many people through Beth Ariel to a saving relationship with you, young and old alike. We thank you, Father, for the legacy and the history and all that has transpired over 31 years of ministry here in the Los Angeles area. And we thank you for those who had established the work, those who had prayed for the work, and those who had worked hard in the work over the course of most of those years who are still with us today and bringing us ever forward in accordance with your will. So we are grateful for what you have and are doing here. And Lord, we are faced with decisions, we're faced with opportunities, we're faced with your command to go into our world and proclaim the good news. So Lord, we would pray that you would use us guide us and lead us to lead many more of your people and others alike into a saving, vital, genuine, personal relationship with you through Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel. We pray, Father, that if this facility is to become a hub of messianic activity, and it is already in small incremental stages, but if there's something more that is afoot, Father, might you lead us down that road. And Lord, if it is your will that we would acquire this property, move on the hearts of individuals who will be devoting themselves to working this out. Move on the hearts of those who will be providing the resources financially and otherwise. Move on the hearts of the leaders at the Bridge Fellowship as they meet with the group of fellows that from Beth Ariel, move on our hearts that we would know your will and we would move forward in accordance with it. And then, Lord, help us to be persistent in our praying, like the story that Yeshua had told of one who goes to his friend and says, can you help me because I have someone coming over and I need bread. Father, might you Help us, because we are in need of all of these things and more for the work that is yet in store and ahead of us. So, Lord, we give you all honor and praise, and we thank you for our being here at such a time as this, for such a task as this as well. And we give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.